Kristen, and you're listening to Podcast and Amplify, a podcast for women entrepreneurs who want to amplify their voice and brand through podcasting and grow a wildly successful business. I'm the executive producer and host of two shows and an entrepreneur, and I love helping women grow their visibility, mindset, and business to the next level. Each week, I share tips on how to launch and leverage your podcast, and I'm bringing on the very best business leaders to give you advice on how to build your business empire. Let's amplify your voice and business. So welcome back to Podcast and Amplify. Today, I have the fabulous Vicki Quinn Frazier on the show, and we are going to talk all about one of my favorite subjects, storytelling. Welcome, Vicki. Thank you so much. It's really great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So let me read a little bit of your bio so people know more about you and how fabulous you are. So since 2012, Vicki's been helping people outside the mainstream write successful nonfiction books, not just on business, but on wild, wonderful, and a, a wacky range of topics, which I love. Working with misfits, rebels, misbehaviors, disruptors, renegades, revolutionaries. Oh, all these words are so wonderful. Um, she makes it possible for people to find, tell, and sell their stories. So I know you have workshops that you do and you work with one-on-one clients. Can you tell me like where your love of storytelling started? I don't think I've, we've talked about that. Um, I think probably like a lot of writers, it started when I was a really small child with um, books, just just books. I've always been I've always been the kid in the corner at a party hiding under the blanket with with a book instead of instead of kind of you know getting involved with the with the other stuff. So um, yeah, I, I just remember from a really early age, um, I would get so excited when I opened Christmas and birthday presents and there were book tokens rather than um, rather than kind of you know toys and games and things like that so I think that's where it started and I just love the ability of a story to transport me from where I was and especially if I was you know having a bad day or unhappy or whatever and I could just jump into a story and it would just take me to a different world it was it, it was like magic it is so magical I find I'm doing that a lot lately where because I read a lot of nonfiction for a while I've always read fiction but I realized how much the fiction is just such an escape and it feels cozy and just the opportunities to learn from stories. Did you study that at university or something around storytelling or writing? No, not really. Um, I mean, I was always, I was all, I loved English um, at school. So English was one of my, you know, favorite subjects, that and art, because I got to make a mess. Um, but yeah, Eng- English was always one of my subjects. But when it came time to go to university, um, I actually didn't go to university. I, I, I didn't want to do what I was expected to do. Everyone was like, oh, you need to do this, and then you need to go to university, and then you get married, and then you have children, and you do the things in this order. And what I didn't want to do was, and this was probably coupled with a little bit going off the rails, but I didn't want to just go to university for the sake of going to university. I wanted to, because I saw a lot of people who were a little bit older than me kind of going, and it's a bit different in the UK because back then we didn't pay enormous university fees. And I know that in the US it's different, um, but I did see a lot of people um, just kind of, oh, I'm just going to go to university and I'm going to get my degree. And they would spend, you know, three years drinking and partying and 
then I'd come out at the end of it and just be like, well, you know, I don't really know what I've done. And I just thought, well, I can do all those things and earn money and not, you know, be in debt at the end of it. And also there was that thought in the back of my mind. I want to do, if I'm going to go to university and study for three years, I want to do something that means something to me that, you know, is, is going to, I want to be there for a purpose rather than just a party. Because like I said, I was the kid with her nose in a book, so I wasn't really a big party type anyway. Um, and so I actually went to study archaeology and ancient history, which is, of course, all about uncovering the story of people and humans. And I, I didn't really think about it like that at the time. Um, but that is why I really loved, that's why I loved it. I loved it ancient history. I loved archaeology. I loved kind of digging into the story of our past and where we came from. And yes, the kings and queens and kind of bigwigs were, were interesting. But what I really loved was figuring out what normal people, you know, what their lives were like. Were they, how similar were they to us? And what did they do? And what did they care about? And what were the things they thought about and wrote about and sung about? And what was the art that they made? And, you know, all of that kind of thing. So in a way, I guess I kind of studied storytelling and stories at university, but it was a bit indirect. Yeah. And it's so much connected to what you do now. Yeah, it really yeah. is. It's kind of digging out people's stories and, and showing that. And it is actually, and I, you know, until, until you asked me this question, I hadn't articulated it in, in kind of, kind of as precisely, but yeah, what I do now is I help people to pull their stories out and realize that actually they really matter. Because one of the things that I hear a lot from people is, oh, you know, I haven't really got anything to say. My story is not that important. It's not that exciting. Um, you know, I haven't got a big rags to rich thing. And my answer to that is, well, you know, you're a human being and that's interesting enough. You only have to look at soap operas and reality TV, right? We will sit and watch people literally living their day-to-day -day lives. And on the surface of it, that sounds really boring. But millions of people tune in every day. So, you know, we're, we're interested in normal people and, and people who are like us. Yeah. And you had said something on one of your podcasts about why small stories matter, not just the epic ones. I, I thought it was so great how you broke it down. So can you share a little bit of that idea with us? Yeah, definitely. And this, I'm really, I have, I have strong feelings about this as well, because even though, even though big epic stories are great and exciting, and I love seeing explosions and epic things on, you know, on movies and things as much as anybody else. And I love a good rags to riches story. Um, ultimately, I don't think they're really the ones that most of us can relate to very well, you know, thankfully, and I'm really grateful. I've never had anything really, you know, wildly horrific happen to me in my life. And so whilst I can read stories about people who have had terrible things happen or who have had massive obstacles to overcome and I can enjoy them and I can relate to them on some levels, it's the stories of people who are just kind of average that actually I think we're, we're missing. We're missing that, that, slot in the middle. And so because, um, especially because the media and, you know, people who want clickbait headlines and things, they want the big dramatic story. And that's, that's great and understandable. But actually what we connect with, even within those stories are, are not the big, the big kind of flashy parts of it. They're, they're the human parts of it. And so even when you're kind of reading about somebody who, um, you know, maybe, um, you know, there's quite a common trope of, of entrepreneurs that, that, you know, had a, had a tough start in life. And it's like, oh, I was down to my last $20. And, um, and I was, I was living in my car and then I used it to do this, that and the other. And that's great. And, and now I'm a billionaire. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm a millionaire. And it's like, that's awesome. And, you know, I think, yeah, tell your story. It's fantastic. And it's a great story. 
But actually what we connect with is what they felt at the time and how they, you know, how they overcame challenges, not because it was your last, you know, your last $20 and it was a desperate situation, but because we've all been there at some level of that challenge. And, and so that's what we connect with. And it doesn't, it almost doesn't matter. Like the, the big dramatic stuff almost doesn't matter. It's how do you tell the story and how do you make that connection with the person who's reading or listening or watching? And, and that's what I really love. And the other reason I'm really passionate about the tiny stories is because when we see those, those kind of big dramatic stories, we think that we have to have a story like that in order to tell our story, that unless we've got a story that is wildly different or like wildly, you know, wild, I guess, it's, like it's, it's not worth telling and that we're not interesting enough. And that's simply not true. You know, some of the best stories that I've read have been on the face of it, really quite mundane and day to day, but they're told so beautifully and the human connection comes through so well that, you know, it makes you feel that's, that's what a story has to do. It has to make you feel something. It has to give you a connection and you don't need, you don't need a big rags to riches story to do that. You can do that with any story. Yes. So well said. I think you're right. It is really about that human connection. The feelings of struggle doesn't have to be epic struggle because everyone knows what it's like to struggle period. So they can relate to something that just happens on a more daily life level. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't have to be an epic struggle. And I think that made me think that the bigger stories, like they, it's not a competition. You know, suffering is not a competition. It's not graded. It's not, you don't have to feel bad because your struggle wasn't the same as or as big as somebody else's struggle. It's still to you. It's still a struggle, right? And it was important. And that's that's the that's the interesting part. It's like, it doesn't matter where you came from, what you were born with, whatever. If you are presented with a challenge and you can overcome it, then that's the interesting part to me. And, you know, related to that is we need more stories from people who are just living their everyday lives. And those stories need to be out there because representation matters in all, in, in kind of all the whole spectrum. It's like we need more everyday stories from just people existing in the world, right? Just people existing in the world, not the people who traditionally get all of the attention. And I think that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about tiny stories. Yeah, because seeing yourself represented is so powerful. And I've been totally guilty of thinking that my story doesn't matter because it's not the epic story. And you're right. It's what we're constantly fed. And it's so easy to buy into that idea that those are the only stories that matter. I literally thought, well, yeah, I wasn't living in my car and then overcame this big thing. So why should I share my story? It's so easy to get caught up in the idea that that's the only story that matters. And you're so right when you break it down and you bring it back to like, what are people really going to relate to? And it is that human experience and how important it is for, and it's something that I'm passionate about as well as that representation, like people just seeing their own story out there. And it's such a powerful way to kind of let people know that they matter. You know, everyone matters, right? And if one person can see themselves in someone who's on a podcast sharing their story or has written a book or, you know, a blog, then I think it just makes us feel like that sense of being seen, that sense of belonging, you know, that there's a place for us. So I think that's just, you know, the other sort of magical part of those small stories that you're, talking about and um, so passionate about. 
So kind of along those lines in terms of connection. So why do you think storytelling is so important for connection? Oh, so yeah, so many, so many reasons, but mostly because that's how, you know, we've not always had writing. Writing is a relatively recent thing in humanity. How did we pass on our wisdom before that? It was the oral tradition. That's, you know, we passed them down through telling stories. That's how we remembered things. Nursery rhymes, you know, old songs, old tales, old myths. They were, they were never purely for entertainment. That wasn't their only purpose. They were, they were to pass on the knowledge and the wisdom of ages. And so you know, if you if you think back even to when you were at school, and I'm thinking back to a particularly dull history teacher that I had, um, he would just list out names and dates and you know kings and queens, and and I would just you know I would just I would just go to sleep and stare out the window because I'm not those facts and figures and I'm, I'm not interesting. It's actually amazing to me now that I think about it that I went to university to study ancient history after that. But I, I even even then I kind of thought there must be more to it than just like dates and names, and so. It wasn't until I started uncovering the stories underneath that I, you know, that, that we realized how important it is. And a, a good example that I tend to use now is um, I don't know how often you get um, kind of charity uh, letters through charity marketing letters through uh, in the States, but we get quite a lot here. They're never, they're never like, you know, oh, there's been a massive disaster and kind of 50,000 people are in trouble and da da da, because you can, you can read that and you can think intellectually, that's a terrible thing. And then you move on with your day because we can't, humans are not, we're not wired to kind of connect with abstract ideas and vague ideas in that way. It's like, we can intellectually appreciate that that is a horrible thing that's happened, but it doesn't really make a big impact on our lives. And also it's too big. It's like one person reads that and they think, well, I can't possibly make a difference to something that horrific. But if you get a letter talking about an individual um, that says, oh, you know, this, this child was orphaned in this disaster and this is, this is who he is. And you know, just, you know, five pounds of your money could make this amount of difference to his life. That's massive. That makes a massive difference because suddenly you've taken this massive disaster, you've humanized it, you put a face on it, you put a name to it, and you brought a story out that you can then be a part of, you know, the person that they're sending the letter to can be a part of that person's story. And, you know, there's a, the reason that charities do that is because they know the power of storytelling, you know, the power of making a connection between the reader and the writer and you know in this case the charity on the other end and that works across the board you know if you want to make if you want to make a difference if you want to make people do something um actually sit up and act and take an action whatever that might be you have to make them care and to make them care there has to be a story behind it that connects and so that's that's another reason why i think storytelling matters so much um and then the third reason and this goes back to representation again is all of the things that we said before about needing to see ourselves um, reflected in the world. Um, I actually think it's equally important that we see other people reflected in the world as well, because, you know, if you don't, I think, I think it was, um, I'm going to horribly, horribly mangle her quote now, but I think um, in her TED talk, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie said that it's not that stereotypes are wrong, they're incomplete. And that's, that's the problem. It's like when you see one facet of a story told by a certain group of people, you know, in, in the case of, um, certainly in the case of the UK, it tends to be rich white dudes who control the media. You get one side of a story and you only ever see this kind of, you know, this thing that they want to present to us, whether it's like, oh, these people always need our help or these people are bad people or these people are great people. And it's like, well, that's never the whole story. So as soon as we start allowing more 
tiny stories, more everyday stories that people tell themselves, you start seeing a more complete picture. And it's like, oh, look, those people are fully filmed humans with, with lives and dreams and hopes and things of their own. And suddenly it's not just that they're being represented to people who you know look like them, sound like them, think like them. It's that the rest of us as well then get to see those stories and see a completer picture of the world because we've only got this narrow view of the world. And so I just, I just think that storytelling can do all of those things. It's, it's like magic. Yeah, and I think going back to the quote, I think storytelling gives that nuance, right? Talking about the incomplete picture, like it fills in those little juicy bits and gives you a fuller picture of the person, um, you know, that you don't know. And I think I read something somewhere too that said that it makes, you know, listening to different perspectives, different stories or reading about them, it makes it harder to generalize because yeah. you're getting these bits, right? These, these more, the more subtleties of who people are. And it makes it harder for you to distance yourself because you're seeing them as human, you're seeing their stories. And that's just such a powerful way for connection yeah, absolutely. And it can be a deeply uncomfortable thing to do at times. It really can, but I just think it's really valuable because I'm just kind of thinking of a situation in the UK. We had we had the dreaded Brexit and there's, you know, there's a, a certain group of people who voted for Brexit and they are painted in a certain way by the media and by people who didn't vote for Brexit, which is, you know, me. I was really wildly against it um, for a variety of good reasons and it's just it's really easy to slip into that kind of them and us and it's like oh all of those people over there they made this decision because of this and they're all like this and that's so much easier than getting nuanced about it because for me I'm just like oh they can just be over there and they're wrong and they can be over there and stay wrong and and I'm right and that's that and that's just it's not helpful it's comfortable kind of for a little while but it's not really helpful and so when you start reading and, you know, the media doesn't help. Social media doesn't help. It's full of hot takes. It's full of sound bites. It's full of, you can't possibly be nuanced with that. And so that's part of the reason, again, why I'm so passionate about books, but about longer stories is like, well, why are these people making these decisions? You know, what, what is causing them to make a decision that is against their best interest, really? And that, you know, is going to, why are they doing it? And you can't know that until you dig into their story and their past, their background, why they make the decisions that they make. And Again, like like you said, it's 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 that connection. It's it's humanizing people that it's much easier to just kind of put in a box over there and think, you know, I, I don't want to actually, I don't want to know. You're just you're just wrong. Be stay over there and be wrong, and I'll and I'll carry on. Not helpful to anybody. And you know, doing the uncomfortable work of kind of digging into their stories and actually asking, well, why do you feel that way? Um, and really, really being interested in the answer as well. I think is a really valuable thing to do. And I think that's something that we've lost a little bit with social media because there just isn't time or space to tell those stories properly. So yeah, a bit more nuance in storytelling would be a good thing, I think. Yeah, and I think social media, it's, it's I think in, the intent feels very much like it's supposed to be a distraction instead of actually like digging in and, you know, a little more critical thinking <laughs> involved. Yeah. yeah. It's like going on there to find out what my opinion is. It's like, if I'm going to, I'm going to go on Twitter and I'm going to find out what my opinion is instead of actually learn. And you know, I do that all the time. We all do that because we're busy. We do that with certain subjects. And it's like, I don't have time to learn about this. So I'm going to go over here and find out what other people think. And then maybe, maybe I agree with them, but yeah, it's like taking the time to, to, go beyond the Twitter headlines and kind of dig in and, and read 
both sides of the story and see if you can figure out, like you say, critical thinking, it's, it's hard work and, you know, we have to put an effort in to do it and we don't always have time. We don't always want to. So. Yeah. And, you know, it's set up to make it easy. Right. And it's just dangling right there. And so it's, it's, and I think it's as long as it, as long as you understand that's what the scenario we're living in is. <laughs> so yeah. You know, take steps to maybe, you know, dig in a little deeper. But I think this kind of lends into the next question I want to ask you, which is why it's so important for us to own our own narrative. I think you did talk about this before um, on your other podcast, and I was just like, yes. But she's saying yes. So I'm curious if you would share that here. Hey friends, we'll get back to the show in just a moment. But I wanted to take just a few seconds to invite you to a free workshop that I created. It's called Launch a Binge-Worthy Podcast. And it's all about helping you to create a heartfelt podcast that reaches your soul listeners and grows your business. If you want access, just go to podcastandamplify.com. It's totally free. Okay, friend, back to the show. Yeah, I think for me, it's, it's, it's really important to own my own story because I, and I can only speak for myself. I imagine other people have had similar experiences, but like I said at the beginning, it's, it's, you kind of grow up with an expectation of who you're going to be and what you're going to do and how you're going to, how your life's going to go and all the rest of it. And I think it's really easy to, to fall into, just to fall into following that, that path and not really thinking about you know, what your story is and having, almost having your story told by, by other people. And I think when you start sitting down and thinking about your own story and telling your own story, and I've, I've found this with clients as well, is that they start digging into what they really think about stuff and what they, you know, how they're interpreting their experiences, how they can use their story, how you can take your, your story and your experiences and use it to shape your future, you know, your present and your future as well. So you know, you've got this, you've got this past, you've got this experience um, that may or may not be similar to somebody else's. And you can then take that, put it on paper, whether, whether anybody else gets to see it or not is immaterial, immaterial when you, when you kind of first start out, but you can put that down and then start figuring out, well, what does this mean? Who am I? Where am I? What does the world mean to me? And where do I fit into the world? And once you've kind of started doing that, you've got this story that you can then take. And um, certainly from a business point of view, because that's who I work with is, you know, well, how can I use my narrative to shape the business that I want to have to reach the people that I want to reach to help the people that I want to help and bring the kind of people into my world that are going to be a best fit for me. And so for me, that that is probably one of the most powerful reasons that I think it's important for people to own their own narrative. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it can really shape business, how you communicate, you know, because you are trying to reach your audience through a connection and through the story that you tell and, you know, bringing your own voice to that, your own perspective is so important. And it's the thing that's going to not only help people connect to you, but it's going to set you apart. It's like this weird, like people connect with it and it's your own unique thing. Yeah. And that's the thing because, you know, nothing that we do is really brand new unless unless you're Elon Musk and you're producing the next you know rocket to Mars which is the only one <laughs> that there is as far as I know um you know there isn't there are loads of book coaches in the world there are loads of podcasters in the world there are loads of people doing the thing that you want to do 
but there's nobody doing it quite the way you do it with your personality, with your experience, with your background. And so that is, you know, that is the key reason for telling your own story and not being, you know, not being scared to tell your own story. And I think people get a bit, do get a bit frightened. It's like, well, how much do I share? How much is too much? How much is too much information? And that's a perfectly legitimate worry. But I think if you want to set yourself apart in business, and if you want to make that connection, you have to be willing to share a piece of yourself. It doesn't have to be all of yourself, but you have to be willing to share a piece of yourself. Um, and there's, you know, that also gives people the option to make up their own minds as well. Because I think a lot of the time in, especially in online marketing, um, especially in the world I've been in, you see quite often people being like, oh, here's a problem and I have the solution and this is how you do it. And that's, you know, it's quite bro marketing and it's, 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 it can be quite off-putting. It's like, oh, you know, I, I need to go and do that thing over there. Whereas if you're telling your story and your experience and kind of showing what's possible, I think that is for a lot of people, they're going to, they're going to listen to your story or watch your story or read your story. And they're going to think, oh, yeah, I, you know, that, that sounds familiar to me. I've been through something similar. That's really interesting. I wonder if that approach will help me or even better if you're not even saying, you know, this is the only way to do things. It's like, this is who I am. Maybe we can, you know, maybe my experience sounds familiar. Maybe my experience can help you. Maybe we'll be able to work together. And that allows people then to kind of get to know you a bit better and think, okay, maybe, maybe her experience is similar enough to mine that it means that, yeah, I could, I could go and work with her. Maybe she will be able to help me. I just think it leaves, I think it leaves a bit more, like I said, a little bit more space for nuance, um, a little bit more space for people to get to know you. And it just feels a bit less pushy. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely not saying don't sell yourself because if you want to sell stuff, you've got to sell your stuff. Um, but I think putting your story out there, A, is a way to differentiate yourself. And B, it allows you to do it in a way that feels more comfortable. Certainly for me, I don't like, like I never... I always found selling very difficult. And I think a lot of people do because it just can feel kind of icky, but there's more than one way to do it, you know? And I think that storytelling is one of the ways that if you're a little bit less comfortable with selling storytelling, give it a try because it's, it's going to feel more natural to tell your story, to, you know, be really honest about what you care about, how you can help people, and then open the door at the end and say, would you like to come and find out more? You know, would you like to come and work with me? I've got this thing. Maybe it'll help you. Um, and that can be quite a natural ending to to the story that you're telling. Storytelling, it, it does everything. <laughs> it does. It's like magic. It, it sells, it connects, it humanizes. It's such a powerful tool. I don't know if tool, tool seems like such a simple way to describe it, but are there any ways that you want to share like that you help people tap into their stories? I know that's what you do. That's your wheelhouse. And if you could leave listeners with just one way that they can tap into their story that, that represents them and who they are. Yeah, definitely. I've got a couple of suggestions. Um, one is to, I, I'm, I'm sure people have heard this before, but morning pages is one of my favorite things. Um, it's, um, it's a, a Julia Cameron thing. She does her morning pages. Um, they don't have to be done in the morning, but before I sit down and write anything, um, I always just empty all of the head trash out of my head. I just empty stuff. Sometimes it's a shopping list. Sometimes it's something, you know, that's really annoyed me. Sometimes it's something that's really upset me. Sometimes it's something I'm really happy about, but I need to get all of that stuff out of the way. And I find that often that just, um, that kind of stream of consciousness will morph into something else. And, and that, again, is part of our story, right? If we're, if we're kind of talking about the stuff that's happening in our day-to-day -day lives, that's an insight into what we care about today, what's bothering us, 
you know, what, what is important to us, all of that stuff. So that's my first thing is, is literally just write. And if you get stuck, um, write about being stuck. So like, I'm really struggling to write about this thing and I'm stuck on it because of this. And that can be really insightful as well, because if you're writing about, you know, not being able to write, and a lot of people do find it difficult to write about themselves, then, you know, write about that and dig into, oh, why am I finding it difficult to write about myself? Am I uncomfortable because I feel like I'm bragging? Am I uncomfortable because I'm touching on something that makes me feel a bit icky? Am I opening an old wound? And that can be really revealing, not just of your um, own story, but of the stuff that's getting in your way, the stuff that's blocking you from from writing. None of this has to ever be seen by anybody else. <laughs> you know, this is this is private stuff. So that's, that's the first thing. Um, I've got a bunch of prompts that I get people to think about. So um, one of them is, you know, what what's the thing that made you happy this week? What's the thing that really made you angry this week? What's the thing that made you laugh? And, you know, what's what's the thing that drives you drives you crazy about the business that you're about the industry that you're in? You know, that kind of thing that that can be a really good prompt as well. If you're thinking about digging into your story as it relates to your values and the things that you care about, if you're thinking about business stuff. Um, and then my final thing that I have to suggest, and this is a bit more kind of thinking about telling your story and your life as a whole in more of an autobiographical way is make a timeline of your life. So um, starting with when you were born <laughs> and then all of the kind of major dates. So it might be like, you know, first job, 18th birthday, um, first car, um, maybe stuff that's happened to you, happy or sad or traumatic or amazing, you know, all of those things that have happened to, to shape you, to change change who you are and maybe shift your path in life. Um, and have that as a starting point and just, just have that to look at and think, you know, if I want to write about something, if I want to tell part of my story, would any of these things be useful? Um, and then I also encourage people to overlay on top of that. So say, you know, if I was thinking about um, 1980. I'm going to get the date wrong. That's just going to be very embarrassing. But I was thinking about 1984 or something. It would be like, oh, this thing happened, and that's also the year the Berlin Wall came down, which was like a massive global event. So if you can then kind of look at what was going on in the world around you, either local or national or international, that can help to put your memories and your personal memories in some context of what was going on in the wider world as well. Um, so that that's a way to start kind of thinking about your story, what shaped you, what's made you the person that you are. Not kind of to go into too much detail about writing memoir and autobiography, but I just think if you're thinking about your story in terms of your business and what you want to share, that can be a really good place to start just to give you those, you know, those things that have maybe maybe something will pop up that you think, gosh, I'd forgotten about that. I wonder if that had a really profound effect on what I'm doing now. And that it can be quite an interesting exercise. Oh, I love the timeline. I think because I'm like a visual person and I like lists. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of combining the two. That's um, but yeah, it's like I'm totally gonna do that. Um, I love that idea because it it's kind of mapping out, yeah, those key things that happen in your life. And those are the things that I think are going to spark writing or or you know, ideas because they're obviously they were memorable because you're putting them in the timeline. And then I love writing about the being stuck because um, I, I had in my head this visual of like a car going over a speed bump and it just like pushing it over that, you know, that that speed bump a little bit more and getting you through to the other side because you're right. Writing can be really difficult for even the best writers and you just kind of need to push through a little bit to just write about being stuck, which I love. Yeah. Definitely. It also forces you to let go of the need to produce something perfect. Because I think that's the other thing that stops a lot of people is this idea that 
Um, and this stops me. Like, if I get stuck, the first question that I ask myself is, am I trying to write a perfect first sentence? The answer is usually yes. And it's such a dumb thing to try and do. So it's like, there is no, nobody ever has produced a perfect first paragraph or first draft. It's like, if you kind of remember that literally the only thing a first draft has to do is exist, it's perfect in its existence, then that makes a massive difference because, you know, it's there. It's like, you can't make it better until it exists. And, you know, you're not going to end up with a, anything decent unless you allow it to be really rubbish first. And, and I think that writing about being stuck does that. And the morning pages does that because you're just, you're just like, I'm literally just emptying my brain. It might not even be, there might not even be punctuation. <laughs> That's fine. It just needs, it just needs to get out, sometimes get out the way and sometimes just get out of your head and onto paper so that you can then work with it and turn it into something amazing. Yeah, that's such a good point about the perfectionism creeping in. But I think a lot of us put these huge expectations on ourselves. And I love that idea of just like the morning pages is great because it's just no pressure, free flowing, and it gets you in the practice of writing and takes out that fear. It's like, oh, no, I'm just doing it. And I'm not thinking about it, which is really great. Yeah. And, you know, the more you do it, the less scary it is because the people that I work with that find it most scary to write a book are the ones who aren't, who don't consider themselves writers. They're like, I'm not a writer. And it's like, well, you are, if you're writing a book, you are a writer, um, but they're the ones who don't do it very often. And so I think the more, you, I, I don't think it ever, like, I still, I still feel if I'm going to publish an article, I still feel a little bit sick before I hit publish um, every time, every single time, even if I'm really pleased with it. Um, so I don't think that ever goes away and I, I'm not sure it should I think if it ever goes away I'll, I'll need to step back because I you know I think it should matter to me that much but it, it, do, it shouldn't stop us writing you know and, and just to get that first draft out the more practice we get in that it's like well nobody is literally nobody else is ever going to see that this first draft it's just for my eyes so what am I worried about um, and that's that's when it's like I'm judging myself and that's not helpful right now mm-hmm. um, so yeah take, so it's yeah. kind of getting rid of yeah it takes away the it doesn't take away the fear of publishing, I don't think, but it takes away the fear of making a bad mark on the blank page. Mm. And it's like, well, nothing bad is going to happen if I do that. So the world's not going to end. The writing police will not knock on your door and say, stop writing. Yeah. Yeah. All these stories that we tell ourselves um, get really little, little amped up, but that's a great reminder to yeah, just start. No one has to see what you're writing. And then I just appreciate like the practice of it. Like I know for me in terms of like writing posts and emails, I mean, I've been doing it for this style of writing for two years now. It's so much easier now than it was, um, you know, two yeah. years ago. And, so it's like, and I bet your first drafts are better now than they were two years ago as well. Yeah. They're way better. It's like, Oh, I can yeah. bang something out and be pretty okay with it. You know? And, and whereas before I was like, just pulling my hair out and like sweating about just, it's okay. And isn't, isn't that, isn't that just like a really strong testament to the power of storytelling as well, which is what we're talking about. It's like the stories we tell ourselves are the most powerful of all and you know we forget that they're just our thoughts they're just stories they're not real um but we make them real the story the storytelling that we do in our heads makes it real oh beautiful way to bring it full circle and really (laughs) highlight the power of storytelling i mean some people might think like oh they're just stories but exactly think about the stories we're telling ourselves every day and how much they impact us how much they shape the, our lives, they inform what we choose to do or try or not try or not do. So yes, excellent point. So 
So I want to make sure that people know where they can find out more about you, how they can work with you. So share all those fun things with us. Oh gosh, I have. Um, I have a really fun thing that I do at the moment. It's totally free. You don't even have to give me your email address, which I should probably fix. Um, but you can go to moxiebooks.co.uk forward slash calendar. Um, and there will appear an interactive writing prompt calendar every month. Sometimes it's a little bit later than others, depending on how organized I am but it's just a little writing prompt for every day so it might be something like what made you laugh today or um, write a biography of your table lamp or today is national pizza day what's your favorite pizza topping and sometimes it's a little bit deeper and so you can click on those um, prompts and it'll take you to just a short post on my website just to just to give you a little bit more idea of what you might want to write about and the idea is just to set a timer for five minutes and write about that and so again it's it's that kind of morning pages getting stuff out the way getting started idea and just just building a writing practice so there is that and there are also some links on that calendar where you can buy stuff from me which is you know my favorite thing so um that's cool um i also have a weekly newsletter called notes in the margin um which is an email newsletter which has a longer article about something to do with writing and then fun snippets like a little writing tip or a picture of one of my many pets or you know some it's just it's just fun you can go to um moxiebooks.co.uk forward slash notes in the margin um and i also run a regular write night which is a four-hour writing party um which i encourage people to bring a project to if you're working on a book amazing and it's kind of dedicated time away from all of the other stuff you've got going on in your life um to kind of just come and write um in four sessions within the evening and in between there's q a's and there's creativity games and all that kind of thing but they happen every three months so there'll be um, a couple in the summer and one towards the end of the year as well perfect oh and mention your podcast oh yeah i also have a podcast <laughs> i always forget i've been doing it for so long i forget um, it's called uh, The 1000 Authors Show, and it's me and my husband rambling about uh, writing and uh, creativity and all sorts of things. And sometimes I interview wonderful people like you um, on the podcast, and we talk about books, writing, storytelling, uh, creativity, all of that kind of thing. And you can find that at moxiebooks.co.uk forward slash podcast. Perfect. Yes, I love listening to her podcast. There's something about you and your husband that's just like so... I don't know. I just love to listen while I'm walking my dog. I just feel like, oh, such a nice conversation. <laughs> and I always learn something. So um, we will definitely link to all of those things in our show notes. And Vicki, I want to thank you so much for being here today and just talking with me about one of my favorite topics and sharing your insights and your tips, which I know will be really helpful for listeners. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I've absolutely loved talking to you about all of these things. Um, your podcast is amazing and um, more people should listen to it. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you loved today's episode, please subscribe so you don't miss a show. And rating and reviewing this podcast is the best way to help support us. Always remember your voice and what you have to offer is needed in the world. Until next week, take care.